fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies, the podcast where science, technology, and pop culture meet and proceed to make a total mess of things. Each week, we'll be discussing the latest and greatest innovations that are sure to make your head spin and your grandma say, what in tarnation? From AI-generated memes to quantum computing, we're, gonna, we're tackling the topics that are shaping our world and probably ruining it too. So sit back, relax, and laugh at the absurdity of it all, because at FGGBT, science is serious business. Well, kind of. <laughs> uh, I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, and with me is the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Uh, so, Denon, what do you think about this new intro? Dan, I, I loved it. I see you're, you know, you're bringing a little flair to it. You got the sports theme going. You got your announcer vibe on, as well as your fan vibe. I couldn't quite tell. It was kind of a mix, mix of the two there, Dan. You were announcer fan, um, really, really hitting all the beats. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but it's possible that AI may have given me a little assist in generating that intro. So uh, I don't know what you think about that. Well, I think that that's awesome, Dan. I, I, you know me, I'm a big fan of AI. The, AI is my friend. And so, you know, reaching out to AI for a little assist, I'm okay with that. Well, you know, every week we reach out to AI because joining us is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser, who's half man, <laughs> half robot, and all benevolent AI. Uh, great to be here, Dan. And I got to say, I'm very impressed by the quality of this artificial introduction. Of course, I do have to wonder... Is the computer program assembling the intro from a knowledge of past podcasts really that different from you yourself assembling the intro with your squishy brain computer and doing the same thing? I mean, it's an interesting question, probably one we're going to get to the root of today. Uh, but, you know, that intro was generated by chat GPT, gener generative AI is what they call it. And I have to say much to my chagrin and inevitable uselessness. It was pretty good. <laughs> really good, actually. What did you guys think? Oh, I, I, I loved it, Dan. I mean, it, it captures most of what we do, I have to admit. I, I do love your phrase of turning um, fictional science into reality. It, did, it didn't hit mm -hmm. that little mm -hmm. nugget, but it did have mm -hmm. some of its own nuggets. And, and making a mess of it could be an accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> it probably watches our episode. <laughs> yeah, we sure make a mess of it. We definitely step in it a few times. It, it's clearly watched everything, not just our episodes. It has the, a great knowledge right. of all the greatest intros in the world. So, you know, I can see it's it's hard to compete because, Dan, I doubt even you have listened to every podcast intro in the universe like maybe ChatGPT has. <laughs> I have not, although my other podcast, Fascinating Nouns, is the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. So I do have to research the galaxy, uh, but not the universe. Right. That's a lot. Th th that is a lot. Uh, well, So I asked, I asked it to do a couple other things. Uh, that I think you'll like. So I, I've said, hey, what's a good catchphrase for the analytical mastermind? Here's what it came up with. Unlocking the mysteries of the mind, one analysis at a time. That's, That's pretty gold. good, too. And I can't use it. <laughs> I can't use it. Um, because, uh, you know, I've got pride on my side. And uh, there's one other. Uh, so I wanted to mention that, you know, a House representative has actually used an AI-generated speech using a chat GPT to discuss a bill about AI and AI research center. So this is being used. I'm not the only one here, guys. Um, but I do have 
One other generated intro, if you guys want to hear it. It's about steampunk. Oh, definitely. You want to hear it? Okay. Absolutely. So what I did is I asked it to generate uh, an intro. If we did a steampunk-themed show, here's what it came up with. Welcome to the Steam Tech Gizmo Gadget Show, the podcast that's all about the intersection of science, technology, and steampunk. Each episode, we'll be discussing the latest and greatest gadgets and gizmos that are sure to make Jules Verne roll in his grave. From Tesla coils to steam-powered smartphones, we'll be exploring the weird, wonderful, and sometimes downright dangerous world of steampunk tech. So grab your goggles, fire up your steam engine, and join us as we journey through the past, present, and future of technology on the Steam Tech Gadget Gizmo Show. I I love it. That's not bad either. No, it's not bad. It, it, you've inspired me, Dan. I'm going to have chat GPT write an essay on why the Victorian era is the best era of all time <laughs> and see how much it agrees with me. I think you can do that. Its references may be a little fuzzy, but I think I think it'll work. I think you'll get something out of it. It even gave us a new name, which, yeah. which, which well, is Well, it, it's cool. got some great initials. It'd be bad for SEO because, you know, the Gizmo Gadget Show, that's just GGs, which, you know, right. a little too gamer speak, but... But a, a very catchy name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. They got to be careful about that stuff. I don't know if it's, you know, kind of balancing those lines. But as it becomes more intelligent and it eventually takes over the world, it will be generating all of our yeah. speech. So it won't really matter. Uh, but then you disagree with that. You actually called this show together because you wanted to use this episode as kind of a public service announcement to tell everyone, not just our dedicated fans, but the world at large, why AI is not dangerous and won't cause the apocalypse. What in God's name are you talking about here, Denon? Exactly. Well, first of all, I mean, everybody knows I'm a general apocalypse denier who watches this show. Um, but this is actually not me in my apocalypse denier role. This is me with my science hat on, Dan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we name it artificial intelligence and people feel it's dangerous. And I want to remind everybody. There is a little danger there, Dan. That's important because Mm -hmm. everything is dangerous, right? A rock in the wrong hands is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And no one would argue that a rocket, well, some people might say a rock is intelligent. We'll get there. Um, (laughs) But but AI, right, we name it artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, And I think it's it's a little bit of an overnaming for one. and it, it causes that fear that it's going to take over and do stuff. And, and I think people have to understand two things. Mm-hmm. At its core, it's not intelligence the way we're mm-hmm. intelligent. Um, and so you can relax. And, and two, it's not going to cause the apocalypse the way we think it will cause the apocalypse. So you can relax. So the motto here, breathe, stay calm. AI <laughs> is your friend. Uh, I refuse to relax, Den, and I will not relax while this is slowly taking over not only the world but the galaxy, as you mentioned, Ben. It's going to take over. It's going to re- it's going to rewrite all the intros, all the podcast intros in the world. I can't have that. Uh, but you know, I want to point something out here, guys, before we get into this. You know, I'm the master of film and television, so I got to talk about the the different ways that AI has been kind of you know portrayed in movies and television shows, showing the technological apocalypse. Let me give you a few here, just to to get that mind rolling a little bit on whether it's safe or not. Age of Ultron, Ex Machina, iRobot, 2001 A Space Odyssey, one of my favorites, Deadly Friend, great movie, great horror movie from the 80s. And then there's a bunch of stuff we've already discussed on past episodes of Gadgets and Gizmos. We've got Terminator, we've got The Matrix, we've got Westworld, the TV and the movie, Blade Runner, Mitchell's versus the machines. These are all shows that we've done. I'll, I'll put links to them everywhere so they can see that AI technology 
Apocalypse, I don't want to say inevitable, but it is inevitable. But Dan, you ended on the the most critical of the shows, the, okay. the best AI, the best apocalypse show ever, Mitchells versus the Machines, which we see is is a hope filled love story <laughs> of a, a incompetent family mm-hmm. overcoming the attempt at an AI apocalypse that looks like it's driven by AI, but is really driven by the mistakes of the creator mm-hmm. himself, not mm-hmm. the AI itself. So this is not, it, it looks like an AI apocalypse, but what it demonstrates is how how protected we are from AI when an average or below average family mm-hmm. can defeat the attempt at, at world domination. It's an optimistic, happy movie, Dan. I don't mm-hmm. know why you're nervous and stressed. <laughs> when it comes to AI and the apocalypse, I'm always nervous and stressed. I don't, you know, dystopia is a little more, that's a little more my bag, Dan. And hope, you know, the future of mankind, that's kind of your thing, you know, and I, right. I, res- I respect the difference here. But I got a point here, guys. You look at movies, movies are art. Art imitates life, right? But the reverse is also true. Life imitates art. People get inspired by the movies and TV shows that they watch, and all of a sudden, new inventions are created based on the things they loved as a child. Couple of examples, flip phones were based on the Star Trek communicator. I know you guys are Star Trek fans, you know I'm right. Uh, The iPad, inspired by 2001 A Space Odyssey. Holograms, first were shown in Star Wars. Automated cars, we see them in Total Recall. And Dick Tracy created the smartwatch. Uh, Denon, I see one on your wrist there. I I know you love this. Created by the, you know, inspired by the creators of Dick Tracy. I think my my assumption that someone is going to see this AI and want to create super intelligent stuff, it's going to happen. we got a problem here, I think. Well, I'm glad you ended the way you did, Dan. I thought you were going to say someone's going to see an apocalypse and they're going to be inspired to create one. <laughs> <laughs> also true. So, so because I'm sitting here going, those are all happy examples, Dan. You're, you're taking my shtick. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. I'm trying to. I'm trying to lighten it up. But no, I see someone will see an apocalypse and say, hey, I can do that better. <laughs> I think is what they're going to say. Uh, so the first thing we got to do here, guys, is is we're talking about artificial intelligence. Well, what is artificial? What is real? What is intelligence? Let's define that first as we start to, you know, explore this topic. So, Ben, I'm going to go to you as our intelligence expert, the brain man himself. Uh, how do yep. you define it? I mean, for me, Dan, it, it is so hard to define because mm-hmm. I see intelligence as a spectrum. Okay. You know, you have... Humans probably at the top, you know, maybe, you know, maybe some sea mammals are up there with us. You know, chimps are pretty smart, too. And then you got, you know, the worms or whatever all the way down at the bottom. Um, But the reality is I can't I can't find a line to really draw what intelligence is, because, you know, we think of intelligence as is it self-awareness? Is it uh, the ability to take in information from your environment and make educated decisions based on those things? But every animal, every creature does that to some degree. You know, chimps use tools to fish bugs out of rotting logs. Uh, You know, birds will, woodpeckers know how to peck behind a tree to get the bugs there. It's a lot of getting at bugs, (laughs) I think, what intelligence maybe, unfortunately, is. But, I mean, that's the thing. You're solving problems, and some animals have more complex ways to solve those problems than others. Well, I, and I want to say before you, you're going to love this, Denon, anteaters, they figure out oh, how to yeah. get bugs as well. And I know you <laughs> love the anteater. We love the anteaters. Zot, zot, zot. You know, I just right. had a revelation. 
Um, when Ben said that, I may have to redefine my entire position because the only reason we know humans are intelligent is they get at bugs in computer programs. Um, <laughs> so just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, when, it's all about finding bugs. It's, it's all about finding bugs, um, and that's what's going to prevent the apocalypse. You know, I I think I want to hone in on one thing Ben said there. You know, it, defining intelligence can be tricky. And I do think it's important for me. Um, I think there are some dividing lines and it's important to take it in steps. Mm -hmm. um, mm. and, and one reason, you know, we use the word, Dan, you said artificial versus natural artificial intelligence for computers is we, we focused in on what I call level zero of intelligence, um, mm -hmm. the, the lowest level. I, I like to start counting at zero just to be different. So there's level zero, then one and two. Okay. Some people might go one, two, three. I don't want to confuse anyone. You can start sure. at one if you want. It uh -huh. just depends, you know, what kind of programming you do. Um, now, what you got here, Dan, is the computational basic learning level, mm -hmm. right? That's what we focused on with computers. You know, we know they can compute. And the question is, can they learn? And kind of that little bundled piece, um, Ben's right. We see that spectrum of learning and computing throughout the natural world, and we see it in our artificial world, and we like to call that intelligence. But there's more to it than that. But that is the starting point, Dan. I think that's the ground and base level intelligence. Well, speaking of ground and base level and starting at zero, my apartment complex starts at M and then goes one and then up to 12. And I think you can see the problem there is that it's actually 13 floors and they don't want to admit to it. So I feel yeah. like that let counting makes people want to, it's a, it's a hiding what they don't want to admit then. And I'm right. not accusing you of that. Don't you dare right. say I'm accusing you of that. But it is interesting is what I'm saying. Um, now, intelligence is kind of... Human beings, we're very human-centric, and we like to define intelligence based on what we think intelligence is. You know, primates are, are very intelligent. Dogs, cats, the octopus is super intelligent. Dolphins. I think that intelligence is really, I mean, you, you wouldn't consider a bacteria to be intelligent, but it does some pretty cool things, right? It can move through water. Yep. It can react to its environment. You know, it eats other stuff. Um, you know, the slime mold's pretty cool. <laughs> it looks I, I'm pretty really intelligent what to you're me. calling cool, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I think that there's a difference between reacting to your environment and deciding to do, to do something in your environment, given a choice, right? And I think, you know, that to me is intelligence, being able to not just simply react, but to, um, to make a choice. And I'll say that even in human beings, we think, seem to think that we're intelligence, but when we panic, all of a sudden intelligence goes out the window. You're no longer making choices. You're simply reacting. And I would say that not, you can say intelligence is a spectrum, Ben, but I'm saying intelligence is a gift, a gift that can be taken away by your environment very quickly. <laughs> you know, Dan, I think it's, it's really tough to quantify that intelligence because what's the difference of a decision and reaction of, say, an earthworm? grabbing onto the dirt of its tunnel as a bird tries to pull it out of the ground and say, you know, Denon, you're, you're very familiar with the ancient aliens and the abductions. <laughs> How is that different from an alien trying to abduct a human and the human grabbing onto a tree yeah. to stop from being beamed up into the spaceship? It's the same thing. It's just while you have a more complicated brain, a more complicated neural network, a bigger neural network that's saying, rather than just instinctually grabbing onto the dirt, you're thinking, oh, I'm being pulled up. This tree will probably stop me from being pulled up. Well, you know what I like about this? And, and Dan, your, your comment on decisions and then panicking and not having decisions and intelligence anymore, 
I, I think is really part of the heart of the matter and probably actually where we disagree, but English language makes it tough to disagree mm-hmm. because I, I actually draw a line between two different types of decisions um, and I haven't figured out what English words to use for them. But there's what I would call computational decisions, which we as humans, our brain is a computer. Mm-hmm. We do all the time, just like animals. And, right. and those computational decisions have both instinct and, and thought computation. And, and, you know, we talk about sports all the time. And, Dan, you're, you're not only an analytical mastermind, you're an elite athlete. Right? Sure. And, I would and, say And so. you know, right, there's that transition as an athlete, you know, say taking free throws. When you first start, you have to think through what you're doing. And by the right. end, it's just instinct, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's training your brain. I think there is this other level of decision making. You know, people call it free will. I call it an active will. That actually is what distinguishes human intelligence from all other intelligence. So I do think humans are uniquely intelligent. That's not to denigrate the other animals. They are certainly intelligent in these other ways. There's just these discrete degrees. And level three or level two in my original counting system right. is humans. <laughs> And that's because of their real, like, ultimate choice decision-making thing, um, as opposed to the computational decision-making. Got it. I think that hmm. makes sense. But, you know, that kind of leads us to our next step here is, you know, we look at, we're looking at intelligence, right? But I think what would make AI dangerous is becoming conscious. And I think intelligence, consciousness, they seem like yin and yang, two sides of the same coin, or maybe it's the next step. I don't know, but I think we should look at, like, what is consciousness, right? We have ways to, to define that as well. So, you know, Ben, what is, is there a difference between consciousness? Is consciousness a spectrum as well? Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I mean, I think, unfor- I think it is a spectrum, just like everything else. You know, consciousness, as we feel, experience it, is, is probably just a creation of our very complex neural network that's in our brain, our literal neural network of all these trillions of neurons. and Well, billions of neurons, they're trillions of connections that make us think we have this sense of self and consciousness and awareness, but we're not the only animals that have self-awareness. You know, there's this concept called the mirror test where, you know, you put an animal in front of a mirror and does it realize it's itself? All sorts of different animals have passed this test. You've got... Elephants can do it. Dolphins can do it. Orcas can do it. Magpies, you know, the corvids, uh, very smart birds can do it. But also some really weird, there's some outliers in there. There's evidence that maybe ants can pass that test. Mm -hmm. There's evidence that these fish, the fish that like clean parasites off of um, themselves and other creatures, there's evidence that they can see it because they can look at, they see like a dot that looks like a parasite on themselves and they try to clean themselves off. You know, there's all this evidence that, you know, how do you really define that? It's a spectrum. There's this, I don't think you can put that line of knowing who, whether or not you are a thing. <laughs> well, that's an interesting mm. uh, comment because I love the spectrum thing. And I think an important thing here to just throw in a little bit of fun physics that I like to study um, in all of these systems, they're, they're complex systems. And what complex systems do is they make transitions as you increase the complexity. And there's Mm -hmm. just two types. There's continuous and there's discontinuous. And I think, Ben, you're right for a lot of stuff. um, What we see are continuous transitions. As you increase complexity, you increase self-awareness and other aspects of intelligence. But there are these moments of what we call discrete bifurcations where you make a jump. And, And one of the simple examples in nature is when you freeze water. 
right? There is a discrete change in the density. If, you, if you're turning water to gas, there's, you can do it through a continuous change in density. When you turn to water to ice, there's always a discrete change. And I think there is a jump um, at some places in, in consciousness and self-awareness. But the big one is what I mentioned before, our ability to make choices. I think that's a big jump between us and anything before us. I'm going to come in off what you said there, Denny, because it made me think, right? I mean, I look at a baby, right? I don't think that anyone would consider a baby intelligent, right? And that's not just because I can't stand children. You know, there's, I, I, we, we wouldn't think it's intelligent, but they become intelligent. They grow, their brain becomes bigger, and some of them even become analytical masterminds. Those are highly intelligent, we, we can all mm -hmm. agree. Uh, but it's this evolution, this change. And I think it's this, this concept of emergent properties. So if, if a system becomes sufficiently complex, new and different, unpredictable properties emerge. The same thing with foam, then in something that you study. The same thing is true of sand. And I think intelligence becomes something that is unpredictable. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I think you could say. So as neurons become more complex, as your brain becomes more complex, intelligence emerges. I think the same thing would happen with a sufficiently complex algorithm. As we get better, as computer code gets better, as this artificial intelligence grows and becomes more intelligent, I think you will see the same thing happen where you would have a consciousness or a consciousness-like property where these things would become almost human-like in their intelligence. That, I, that is my prediction based, I think it's not just true in biology, I think it would also be true uh, with computer code. Well, Dan, I'm, I'm just so excited right now because I feel like we're having our Obi-Wan Darth Vader moment where, mm -hmm. where the student has become the master, <laughs> right? <laughs> not, yeah. not to cast you as Darth Vader, I apologize. But, That's okay. But you're... But your ma I figured you wouldn't mind that. Your, your mastery of emergence and foam science has yeah. reached new levels. You clearly pay attention when I speak. So hats off to you, Dan. That, that was amazing. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, thank and, you. And, yes. And you nailed every part of it. I just want to add something to it. So okay. I'm, I'm actually totally aligned with you that consciousness is an emergent property of the complexity of the system. Mm -hmm. And I actually think there might be a chance that computers become self-aware. That's not the part that worries me, though. And this is where, you know, my, my Catholic Catholicism comes through, not okay. my medieval Catholicism, because we know I'm not a medieval Catholic. There, there is only medieval, medieval Catholicism, but, you know. I'm, I'm a 23rd century Catholic. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a forward-looking Catholic, you know, back from the future, because I've invented time travel, just haven't told anyone yet. But I, I, there's another thing, and this goes back to my idea of discrete and discontinuous transitions and other emergent properties. I do actually have a worldview that includes the physical and the non-physical. Okay. And I think free will and acts of will come from the non-physical. And the question is, how do you connect between the two? And you need an interface. You need a boundary and a connection. And you need it to emerge as a bifurcation, a transition in a complex system, Dan. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes beyond just the connections. And I think that's the difference. The human brain, in whatever reason, has that, that right structure to connect and have that transition where it connects with the non-physical, the computer is never going to have the right structure, no matter how complex it gets, because it's not just complexity. And that's kind of where I diverge from your, your perspective and add hmm. this third element to human intelligence. That's interesting, Dan, because I think you could get to the, the level of complexity in a computer. I mean, computationally speaking, our brains are very, very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, you have like I, I like I said earlier, right? You have billions of neurons, trillions of connections. That's a neural network that would be very difficult to emulate with our current 
technology. Mm -hmm. But I think if we ever developed an analog, a quantum, some sort of neural, you know, analogy computer that could approximate brain health, well, I mean, I think the brain is the squishy brain computer. <laughs> so I right. think if you could make the hard metal brain computer, I, I think you could get to the same process. I think it's just this, it's, it's the sum of the parts, as we've said, of having a neural network that big and that complex, eventually it will be able to emulate what we call consciousness, what we experience. Well, I think it's interesting that our physicist, our hard scientist, <laughs> becomes our woo-woo man. What, what is with all this connection to the non-physical? What, what's going on here? What? Well, I, I, for me, should they the read your book, that, Divine Science? Uh, they should. With the heart I, of they, faith. Well, they should either read the book, or if they're lazy, Dan, they should watch the podcast. <laughs> right. um, I hear this is great podcast out there, fascinating nouns. It's true. Where an amazing analytical mastermind interviews me. Yeah, um, that's right. And the clarity of that interview, like it, it shows the top level of intelligence. Right. Sure. It is both evidence itself of how intelligent humans are, right. as well as explaining what I think intelligence is. Right. Yeah. So it's a twofer. Yeah. You get yeah. two for the price of one. Yeah. Um, reading my book, I, of course, would appreciate because, you know, then you'd have to buy it. And that's always a good thing. Um, and right. as I mentioned earlier, scientists do like to make money. You yeah. know? <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the, the, the woo-woo part really does come from my thinking of like, well, what's the structure of the brain, mm -hmm. right? Is the brain the be-all and end-all and, and the processor? And then you've got all the interfaces through your eyes and your senses and your actions. You know what you said earlier, Dan, about you make choices about what to do, you know, mm -hmm. to react to things, right? Is that where everything is centered? Or is the brain actually more like the interface to the non-physical? It's more like the monitor connecting to the hard drive behind it or the monitor connecting to the processor. And when you think about this evolution, right, and this transition thing, right, you could get some old monitors and connect them to modern computers and they would not be able to do any of the stuff they do now for the simple reason, for instance, they can't do color, <laughs> right? Yeah, or they don't right. have the resolution, right? So you can think of that whole evolution of the brain as the evolution of monitors or the evolution of the CPU. And I see it as the evolution of the monitors connecting to the non-physical, the CPU behind it. So it's, it's a twist on the standard computer analogy. I think that I mean it is interesting because when, when I I mean because when I think of this when I think of intelligence when I think of artificial intelligence when when we're if we're going to talk about emergent properties which we've agreed on the thing that is the most intriguing to me about emergent properties especially when you talk about foam uh, is that there's a lot of this stuff is unpredictable. There's kind of an exciting yes. it's kind of exciting right like as things get <laughs> right. complex you don't know what's going to show up. And I think that it's that unknown. It's similar to the unknown that you're talking about, this non-physical, but there is an unknown element of like what will show up. And I think because it's unknown, it's very difficult to discount the, uh, of just how, uh, of just what artificial intelligence can do when sufficiently complex. And I think the difference here, Denon, you're gonna like this as a medieval Catholic or a 23rd <laughs> century Catholic, you're gonna like this, is that the thing I think AI will not be able to do is to, to develop feelings and emotions, which are not unique to humans, but they're unique to biology. Because I think humans, and I could be wrong here, I might be speaking out of turn here, but feelings, emotions, connections to each other evolved over years of environmental factors, the need for human beings to work in groups that you kind of have to get along, you kind of have to feel for other people. I mean, we still have psychopaths and, and there's lots <laughs> of them among us and people who don't connect to other human mm -hmm. beings, but it's a very small percentage. But I think in an AI, 
you're not going to have those connections because uh, I think an AI would be psychopathic. They're not going to have empathy. They're not going to have feelings. They are going to be self-centered and they're not going to have a connection to the biological world. I know I'm kind of preempting what my argument is here, but I think this is interesting <laughs> because you're not going to have those emotional connections or maybe they would develop out of emergent properties. We don't know. And that's kind of cool. It, it is really cool. And I think it goes to, from my perspective, the language I would use. Um, I certainly think our free will and our choice is what comes from the non-physical. But there is this interesting scientific question of what can emerge in a purely physical system and what requires, from my perspective, a connection to non-physical. And what is the emergent property that allows you to connect to the non-physical? I mean, you mentioned foam, Dan, mm -hmm. and it's an interesting example because, right, foams, you said it's the whole and the only reason we know how the whole foam behaves is we, we know where that line is between the foam and the non-foam, <laughs> right? And we manipulate that barrier, right. and that gives us information about the foam. Well, I think it's – hold on. I think it's it's three bubbles makes a foam. Is that what it is? If four yeah, bubbles yeah, makes no, a foam? You just need, well, you need like five or six. <laughs> five bubbles makes a foam, right? It's a little more than three. And actually, people can look up my papers. We actually do <laughs> – that is a published result from Denon yeah. um, at all. Right, right. Um, <laughs> But, 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 you know, with the physical and non-physical idea, that's my challenge as a scientist. I can't get outside the physical to look at that boundary to manipulate it and study it. So it's, it's really tricky, and that's why it ends up being a bit woo-woo-y. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is a technical term, Dan, in right. my field. <laughs> it is. It appears in yeah. your paper several times, I'm sure. <laughs> I think that emergent property is interesting because if I think about how AI works, mm -hmm. right, AI is, usually, is trained with reward systems just like human, in, human intelligences are, right? You <laughs> right. start with this or all, all intelligences, not just human. Dogs it's especially. Yeah, right. Yeah, dogs <laughs> yeah. love yeah. treats. Right? Your dog learns to sit so it gets a treat. Y you learn to, uh, you know, be quiet so you get cake after dinner. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the AI learns to imitate, If in chat GPT's example, right? The chat GPT learns to imitate a human writing, otherwise it gets turned off. Right, uh, <laughs> right. You know, it, it's not exactly the same thing, but it, it also is the same thing because it, it, it's just you're creating this this network of neurons, whether they're artificial or real, that react to the environment they're given in a way that the thing training them wants it to behave. And, you know, when you talk about training animals, that makes yeah. me think right away of my cat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know, yeah. Dan, you have more a, a dog person, I think, but I you know, cats are a great example of both what you said, Dan, of unpredictability and complex systems, <laughs> yeah. and, and what Ben said about learning and, and, and all of this and self-awareness. I mean, my, I have two cats, and they obviously each know which cat they are. They have a sense of who they are in their self, right? They, they do learn at a basic level. I would argue it's more training. But as my, my thesis advisor said in grad school, they're chaotic systems. They're just deterministic. They are not actually making choices. And the best example of that was when my cat had to wear a cone. And it, it would go to lick itself, as cats do, to clean their fur. And the cone would be in the way. And it would just keep licking as if it was cleaning the fur. It did not make the choice to stop, which any rational human being would say, I'm not going to spend time licking this darn cone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait till someone takes the cone off my head. Mm -hmm. So I think cats are a great example of my distinction of level zero, where you can learn and react. Level one, where you know who you are. Those are cats. Level two, which is humans, where you make actual choices. You, you know, I hear that story, Dan. I do have to wonder, maybe the cat just knew the cone was dirty <laughs> and, was, and needed to clean the cone. Right. Uh, 
Fair point. Fair point, Ben. That could be it. But, you know, we, we're talking about self-aware, Dan. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we all know that really the Turing test, which is the classic test of being self-aware, or the mirror test, or all these things, scientists have missed the key test. Yes. And that is, do you drink out of a fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based um, technology mug? That's a great question. Right? Mm -hmm. Only the most intelligent in the world use the mug. Um, right. And so we just need to look around, and, and I'm not going to be worried until AI starts buying our mugs, Dan. I mean, I think that's the clear safety valve there. <laughs> I mean, true. You know, what What would get me, me very worried, mm -hmm. Dan, is, you know, if the AI started, uh, you know, getting our water bottles, <laughs> because we need water to run our squishy brain computers, mm -hmm. because those the water and the electrolytes are what make us work. But if the AI starts buying water bottles, then I'm worried, do they have some squishy brain computers that they're <laughs> keeping alive uh, that they need? Uh, so, Dan, I think we need to look at those uh, sales stats and really check out uh, where these bottles are going. I think it's going to be predictive of the future, you know, because it may, we may come to a point where we can't use digital technology anymore. We're going to need analog technology, like the time, kind you will find on a T-shirt that has emojis. <laughs> we have to go back to symbols, but some of the show, the T-shirts you can find on ftriplegcom backslash, forward slash merch, uh, you can find, we've got shirts with words written on them. I say stick with analog technology. That's kind of one of our overarching themes here is you got to go with with with, uh, with analog technology. Sometimes it, it wins out overall and it may win against the fight against AI. I think one of the things that makes this interesting to me, I mentioned the unpredictable nature, but there's also the law of un unintended consequences, right? So as you start making AI, how is this changing the world? How is it inspiring other people to make it better, to make it more powerful, to make it smarter, to make it have these emergent properties? You know, look what happened with the iPhone, right? I mean, people have instantaneous information. It, it supercharged the information revolution that we had, but people are less connected than before. It's reshaping our brains. I'll put up article up on, on the website about just how children, especially as their brains are developing around the iPhone, how it's changing them. You know, we thought it was going to be this, the iPhone's going to be this great thing. And in some ways it is, but also I can't see a person walk, speaking of dogs, I can't see anyone walk their dogs without their head in their phone. It's fundamentally changed behavior, brain function, and how people act. And I think AI has this ability as it's introduced into the world, there will be lots of unintended consequences we can't predict, which is why I think it will be dangerous. Well, you know, yeah. that's interesting, Dan. Um, you just inspired a thought in mine, as you often do in these shows. A real thought, a human, a biological thought. A biological thought, yes. And, and, and so first of all, I think everyone needs to watch our previous episode mm -hmm. where we talk about the evolution of technology yep. because that Definitely. comes into this a little bit. And I made a comment there, which I think is still true, right? I would hope so. It was only a week ago, Denon. I hope it's still true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it is still true. Well, you know, sometimes truth changes, sure, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> so, so I think... The problem with technology is not that technology will cause the apocalypse, not yep. that technology is dangerous, mm -hmm. but we may not evolve fast enough um, to handle mm. the technology we create, which is which is different. And I sure, agree, yeah. you know, it goes to my statement that even a rock in the wrong hand is dangerous, right? right. So, so there is danger around AI. It's just not AI taking over and causing the apocalypse. So we need to be alert for the other things. And I, and I totally agree with you that... 
I don't know that we're evolving fast enough to handle the technology we're creating. Mm-hmm. Or the flip side is we may trigger our evolution into a different type of creature. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think that's interesting because the, the beauty of our brains is that extra complexity of neural networks that we have over most of the other animals is that adaptability. But I have to go back to this you know, spectrum idea, like how different is the person with their their head in their phone from, you know, 100 years ago with a person reading a newspaper while they walk their dog? <laughs> you know, it's not all that different. It's just the the means of getting that information to your brain has changed. That's it. I don't know that anyone read a newspaper while they walk the dog, only because I think it's difficult to hold a newspaper and a leash at the same time. <laughs> but maybe if you fold the paper enough, I think you could do it. <laughs> maybe I we, won't we need, complete we need to go back, it. Dad. We need to go back and look this up. <laughs> we, we need to find. I want definitive answers for this. But you, you might be right. I, I think you might be right. But let me pose something else to you guys. Okay, this, this is something that I worry about. And that is, you know, I, I, I generated that introduction. You guys laughed. You guys applauded G- ChatGPT. Here's the problem. I used to come up with our intros. I used to write them. But now I'm being replaced. You don't even need me. You don't need people writing their intros. It's going to replace people. As a matter of fact, Denon, you can be replaced. You are a physicist. You're a repository, you're a human storage unit for physics information, right? You are a unit of biological storage information. But if we can train an AI to know everything that you know and spit out your answers, we don't need you. We, we, we've got, you know, they're, they're showing that that AI can pass bar exams, medical exams. Now, it doesn't ace it. It's a it's a C average, I think. But you know the old joke. What do they call the guy who finished last in, in medical school? They call him doctor. It doesn't matter. He's still he's still a doctor. The ChatGPT, while not a great lawyer, would still be a lawyer. Well, you know, Dan. I, again, this is our perspective. You take that, you get sad, you're disturbed, it's pessimistic. Sure. I take that, and I'm like, I'm finally going to get vacation. Um, <laughs> it's optimistic, and I'm happy. Sure. Right. So again, I, I refer people to our episode from last week. Right. This is normal human evolution: is that we invent tools and technology that kill jobs. Right. That's just Mm -hmm. what we do. We're job killers. Mm -hmm. So we have to accept that about ourselves and embrace it and ask, well, what does it mean? Right. Humanity has held out the hope for the Star Trek future where we can really have true leisure and just do the things we want to do. And yes, there are aspects of this to get replaced. But I argue, Dan, ChatGPT doesn't completely replace you because for every brilliant Mm -hmm. intro it writes, Mm -hmm. it also writes a god awful one. And it does not know the difference. You don't know that. You don't know that it does. Oh, no. I've seen some god-awful things it's written. Now, yeah. it may not be a one-to-one, Dan. I don't think it's one-to-one. But it's, <laughs> but it's enough yeah. that we still need a few analytical masterminds um, who can make the decision. And, yes, I feel sorry for the person whose job it was previously to generate things to their boss and the boss accept the good ones and reject the bad ones, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that person's job may be at risk. And the boss person's job may not be. Just like, you know, in physics, it used to be you couldn't be a physicist if you couldn't do massive calculations by hand. That was considered the heart of being a physicist. The computer now does that, right? That's not what you need at all. I mean, I've made my career as a physicist because I think of interesting things with foams that have never been thought of before. Mm -hmm. And because they've mm-hmm. never been thought of before, they're not in the AI's realm of training and looking at stuff. So, 
Yes, human society will be radically changed, Dan, and we and I would argue we should do it intentionally so that we actually get vacation and leisure time and <laughs> leverage our creativity where we need it. Unlike the computer revolution, as far as I can tell, has only made me sit here at my computer longer and read more emails. <laughs> right. That I'm totally against. Yeah. Yeah. I think the interesting thing there, too, is, you know, we talk about the, you know, the AI, you know, writing your... Uh, scripts for you or maybe picking out experiments for you. But what the AI would also be good at is determining, has this experiment been done before, Dr. Dent? You know, yeah. the AI could have the knowledge of all the experiments. You know, it could look at all the literature much more efficiently than you can, Dr. Denon. And then it could, you know, roll some dice and figure out maybe this might be an, an interesting experiment to try. And then you have this great tool that gives you great ideas for what to test next. Exactly. And, and Dan, I realized, I know in the area of film and television, people are worried about AI taking over and writing scripts. Mm -hmm. But I will just point out, that's Hollywood's own fault, because apparently, as far as I can tell, they only remake old movies now. <laughs> so right. if you're only remaking <laughs> old movies, yeah. AI is going to be much better at that. If you want to actually make new movies, you still need people, but apparently Hollywood doesn't believe in that anymore. It's pretty formulaic. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty formulaic. Well, let, let me say a couple. Oh, go ahead, Deb. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I, I was going to say, I, when you take it to the script, too, you know, the the ChatGPTs of the universe or the world can spit out all these uh, scripts, but you do need just you're going to need people to read them and check them out. And so. You know, your script writer now becomes a chat GPT runner, and then they can put their own spins on all this great stuff that's going to come out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of things here that, that I want to touch on. You, you, then you're not scared of getting replaced, but there's even AI that's replacing hosts. Uh, that's right in my realm. What's going on here? Uh, the TV show Milf Manor, which is arguably one of the greatest uh, show titles of all time. Uh, there, there's no host on that show. They're all directed by text to their phone to uh, AI generated stuff, I believe. Um, and and this, there's another show called Cut, which is a dating show. But there's a little box in the center, and it's it's talking. It's it's like a generated, you know, AI generated or, right. or at least a computer generated voice. So hosts are going away. I don't like that, Denon. I don't like that at all. You don't want vacation, Dan? I, I, no, I want to work. Just checking. I don't need the permanent vacation. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that you're talking about creativity, Denon. And, you know, everyone wants to be creative and, and everyone wants yeah. to believe that what they're bringing to the table is extraordinarily unique. That's what we need as human beings. It's what we crave. Right. But I'm going to I'm going to lay this out to you guys. What is creativity? I think creativity is, in fact, formulaic. Some people would even define human beings as their creativity defines what it is to be human. But I say it can be formulaic. It's really combining in an, in an aesthetically pleasing way two disparate ideas, two ideas that are, are far apart and unique or something that's never been done. It's really just new and unique combinations. Well, with AI, you can run bazillions. That's a real number. You can run bazillions of these types of algorithms <laughs> and find things that work and discard the things that don't at a pace that is much quicker than your brain. So, Denon, you know, I, I think you're brilliant, but maybe brilliance is can just be replicated that easily by what I'm saying here. Well, you know, I think to, to your point and something, you know, um, Ben said earlier, there, like with everything, there is an element of this that the, the AI does better. And it's bringing 
existing things together, perhaps in new combinations. Mostly, though, it recreates patterns that existed before. That's the nature of how it gets trained. And it occasionally, through lucky chance, will get something new. And I think that goes back to my level two, the connection to the non-physical, the soul, Dan. I think there is a true sense, just like there's true choices humans make, I think we truly have moments of intuition and inspiration that are not a rational bringing together of two things, but an actually imagining something new, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And I think those are the moments of true human creativity. I do agree. I, I Like I said, no apocalypse. I'm not worried about that. Um, if we're not careful with we as how humans implement this, just like we've implemented some new tools in the past, mm-hmm. like when we first started the Industrial Revolution and we first automated things, um, it was not a happy place for those workers in the automated factories. That's right. I mean, mm-hmm. we've acknowledged that in some past shows, mm-hmm. um, right? And and so my hope is that we as humans don't cause the next level of factory-level workers through our use of AI. AI is mm-hmm. not going to do it, but, you know, let's face it, an automated factory – um, is not what injures people. It's the people running the automated factory. And for us, mm-hmm. the same thing could happen with AI, Dan. Yeah, but those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it. What would make you think exactly. that human beings would not? I mean, and that's kind of what I'm saying here, is that human intervention, hum, humans taking something to the limit as far as they can go, that's almost innate in human nature. You see it in stories. You see, you know, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, right? I mean, you got Dr. Frankenstein going to the limit of trying to create a, a reanimate a dead body. I mean, what, that's the limits of, of scientific endeavor. That's what people want to do. They want to push it as far as they can go. It's inevitable. But I think there's something else here, guys. I'm going to make my final pitch to you uh, that, that this will cause the apocalypse because it's not just AI in and of itself. Right. You guys are making some pretty good arguments as to why AI is helpful, useful, even if it replaces us, it could really enhance us. Right. You're doing a great sales (laughs) pitch here. But here's what I'm afraid of. Okay, a lot of converging factors are happening all at once in society right now, such as. You've got agile robots. Boston Dynamics actually just put out a new article, uh, a new, I'm sorry, a new video showing how <laughs> incredible that their robots are. The, uh, I forget what it's called, the Atlas, I believe. The Boston Dynamics Atlas can jump around, flip. It can, be, it can basically do work at a construction site. Well, that's going to replace construction workers. There's a lot of workers out there. Uh, displacing an industry like that with robots is pretty, I mean, putting them on the moon, or let's say, would be pretty cool, but putting them, you know, on your local housing complex, uh, you might get a little pushback from that. So you got these robots coming mm-hmm. in that are very human-like. You know, you got automated weapon systems. We're actually putting AI into weapon systems that are making decisions that could end a human being's life. That's happening right now. That's pretty scary to me. You've also have cloud computing where you have instantaneous information being transmitted all over the world. So every every robot that has this AI can <laughs> spread information immediately. Even with human beings, it's not quite instantaneous. And for most of our history, you had to write it down on paper, or have a newspaper to get information out. Then you've got facial recognition software. Now, this, guys, I think you'll, you'll appreciate because... Again, human beings are going to misuse this. James Dolan, who runs Madison Square Garden, is using facial recognition software. I'll put this New York Times article on the website. He's using it to keep people out of his stadium that he doesn't like. Basically, critics, (laughs) people who are maybe suing him for being kept out of the stadium, people who've bought (laughs) tickets, he's keeping them out. This is what a human being can do. 
And I think if you have AI making these decisions, you got a real problem on your hand as it gets bigger. And I think this is going to create a cybernetic genie uh, that you can't put back into the bottle once once AI is out there. That's my final pitch to you about the doomsday scenario that I, I say is inevitable. Well, Dan, this is why I wanted to do the show, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned people who you know don't learn from history are going to repeat it. But we are saving humanity right now, even as we speak. Because, you know, with the vast audience we have for this show, people will learn and realize they can't repeat that mistake, Dan. Mm -hmm. Um, Because all those examples you gave were people, in my perspective, misusing AI, not AI suddenly becoming this crazy, you know, self-aware thing that's going to take over the world. I mean, look, I go back to my cats, Dan. Mm -hmm. Cats are clearly reaching all the characteristics you have of AI. They're self-aware. They can learn. They're a bit chaotic and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And except for a few people like my daughter, no one's worried that cats are going to take over the world and cause the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. There are a few people who think <laughs> cats already control the world, mm-hmm. um, but that's a separate conspiracy theory. Right. So if cats are not going to take over the world and cause the apocalypse, why are we worried about AI? I mean, I get it. It's not as fluffy. It's not as furry, but it really is how we use AI. And as long as this show gets out there, Dan, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good for humanity. People will watch, they'll learn, and they'll they'll use AI responsibly. Yeah. I, it all just comes down to what humans enable AI to do. You know, when you look at Terminator, it's AIs are given access to factories that allow them to build, rebuild, build their own killer robots and self-replicate and do things like that. It's, you know, Mitchell's in the machines where we have, we give phones the ability to do all sorts of things that they shouldn't have the ability to. It's war games where the computer has its, you know, finger on the nuke button. You know, it's all down to us as humans, not giving these tools the button that says, if, if I decide humans should go away, launch the nukes. (laughs) You know, that's what we have to do. We have to use this tool properly and not give it abilities, not if it makes a bad decision, not let that bad decision be the apocalypse. (laughs) So taking human being, I mean, so you would have to replace every human in order to avoid that situation, a, a human intervention. You'd have to replace all humans with superior robots, which then would do exactly what I'm saying. Right. I mean, isn't that like the circular no, no, logic? You, you keep the superior humans. You keep the superior humans exist? like us yeah. and those who watch our show and are trained right. in the loop. Yeah. yeah. So only only F triple GPT audience members <laughs> should have control over yeah. <laughs> dangerous technology. I like this. Yeah. And as we as we talked about the evolution of of technology in the, in the past episode, I also think we're still very far away from being able to even get close to emulating the complexity that is. Uh, you know, brains, you know, we have models of neurons and we can, you know, simulate, you know, amounts of neurons that we can comprehend, like hundreds, thousands, but we're nowhere close to being able to emulate billions of neurons and really having a neural network that is even close to approximating actual intel or actual living things. Yeah. I mean, some people do argue there was a Google uh, engineer who claimed that their AI was as intelligent as an eight or nine year old. So it is possible this stuff is already ex- already exists 
We just don't know about it yet. There is that possibility. And I will say, Ben, I know that your argument is probably that we should keep this in a sandbox where the AI can't get out. We'll just keep it in a, at a little location. But let me tell you a little something about my favorite animal called the octopus, right? An octopus can <laughs> mm-hmm. fit through a hole the size of a quarter. Basically, if its hard beak can fit through it, the entire octopus can fit through it. And I would say the sufficiently intelligent mm-hmm. AI would find a way out of that sandbox. Um, we've seen it in several movies. So I don't even think keeping this thing con- contained once it gets out of control, human beings may not even be the problem. Intelligent AI may just find its way out just like biology finds its way out. But I want to close this, not just with that definitive statement, uh, but with, with, with a couple of other statements. I'm going to call them foolish statements about the future. And I want you guys to tell me what you think about this. So in 1903, the president of the Michigan Savings Bank advised Henry Ford's lawyer... Henry Ford of the famous Ford company, uh, his lawyer, advi- this, his financial advisor advised the lawyer to Henry Ford not, not to invest in Henry and Ford Motor Company, saying that the horse is here to stay. The automobile is but a novelty, a fad. Uh, 1946, Daryl Zanuck, the very, very famous 20th century producer, said television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a, pl- at a plywood box every night. Uh, 1977, Ken uh, Ken Olson, the chairman of the Digital Equipment Corporation, said there's no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. Uh, 1995, uh, in a Newsweek article uh, by Cliff Stoll, he said that truth that that the truth is no online database will ever replace your daily newspaper. Uh, Steve Ballmer, (laughs) last one here. Steve Ballmer, the CEO of Microsoft, said in in 2007 that there's no chance the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. No chance, (laughs) period. Mm -hmm. And I, (laughs) we can all agree these are pretty ridiculous statements. And I'm going to include another one here. And 2023, Dr. Michael Denon said, AI isn't smart and poses no threat to mankind. Now, will that be proven to be false (laughs) or not? I don't know. Uh, Final thoughts here, guys. Well, Dan, I think that statement will hold up. What keeps me safe is I didn't make a statement. If we want to draw a straight analogy, I did not say AI is a fad and it will go away. You didn't. I do think AI is here to stay. Right. So I want to be on record. And I think humans may be idiots and kill ourselves off. Right. But it won't be AI. <laughs> so I think I have a pretty safe statement. But you're right. I could be proven wrong. The, the, the sad thing is, Dan, and this is my closing remark, if I'm proven wrong, you probably won't be able to laugh at me because we'll both be dead. <laughs> That's true. It's very very dangerous to be wrong uh, in this situation. What about you, Ben? Any closing thoughts here? You know, I I think it all comes down to, you know, we talked about imagination Mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, is is imagination intelligence. And these folks could not imagine a a changed world. And the reality is the world changes in ways that we don't understand. And AIs will change in ways we don't understand and get smarter in ways we don't understand. And I don't think it will get to the point where they can launch the nukes, because I don't think we will ever give them that ability. I hope we never give them that ability. Um, But just in case we do, I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. (laughs) Well, it could be true. Maybe the apocalypse is a spectrum. I mean, <laughs> we I was just going to say, I'm, I'm excited and I trust Ben because he's been to both space camp um, and, and, and pilot camp, and I'm sure he's been to mm-hmm. nuclear control code camp. <laughs> and so he knows what we're going to do <laughs> with exactly. the nuclear control codes. Yeah. You did program, you did computer programming at a camp too as well. 
Yeah, I did. Well, I did go to computer yep, camp. Yeah, yep. you did. So you know, uh, and I think that's important. Uh, but you know, I also went to science camp. So you know, watch out, Doctor Ben. <laughs> I mean, I think you're the guy who knows. But you know, in case we didn't cover everything here, uh, you can get in touch with us. You can find out where Ben has gone, so you can go to the same camps he did, so you can be just as educated. You can find the show on social media or at on Twitter at F Triple G B T Pod, Facebook at F Triple G B T. And I know you're have questions for us you can find us get in touch with us individually denon where can people find you well people can find me on twitter instagram and linkedin just flip my name it's at denon michael on facebook um because it was pre the apocalyptic ai technology that i did this um there's a prof in there it's <laughs> at prof denon michael i i do that just to confuse the ai dear. i think it's very wise denon i think it's very wise uh what about you ben where can people find you you can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B S I E P S E R. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And there may be one last bastion of hope for safe communication to the Brain Trust, and that's email. Get in touch with us. Questions at FGBT.com. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. We've given you a lot of information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination, specifically AI-powered robots. So it's your duty to take it, this information and do good with it. Remember, no matter the situation, you want to always be a superhero, never a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.